This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. UFOs, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of every best when things are worse. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and we're welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. I want to thank you, Veritas member, for making this program possible. Please subscribe at VeritasRadio.com to listen to both segments of tonight's interview and all of our material. Tonight's special guest is another veteran of this program. With the publication of his new book, he drops by to tell us all about it. George Cavasilas is our special guest, and he discusses his new book, Our Universal Journey. George Cavasilas will be with us shortly. And visit the very test store for MMS. It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Also, our futuristic metal-cased USB drives with all of our seasons and bonus material. Go to our very test store for more information. And to get in touch with me, it's very simple. Click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. Our social system is designed to foster division. Our education system is designed to conceal knowledge. Our health system is designed to create sickness. Our financial system is designed to steal wealth. Our community is designed to create this unity. And our very civilization itself is highly uncivilized. Tonight's interview will be challenging to some. It is perfectly understandable 
what it feels like to have what we hold dear as our perception and beliefs of what life is and what life should be challenged in a way that makes us feel uncomfortable. The material discussed tonight is not intended to entertain your mind. It is intended to confront your mind. Get ready to discuss a manipulation of our history, the primordial questions, our purpose on this planet, our past, the hidden knowledge, extraterrestrials, the moon, where are we heading, and the awakening to a free and sovereign spirit. For this and much more, George Cavasilas is coming up next. This is Mel Fambergas, and you're listening to Veritas. This is Kim Carlsberg, and you're listening to Veritas. George Cavaslas has always seen the world through different eyes compared to those around him. Even from a very young age, he was aware that the universe was full of life and could see and feel life around him in a far more significant way than other people, which included the teachings of the so-called education system religious doctrines, and society in general, portraying a vastly different and limited perspective. And if you listen to this program, you already know George. For a more expanded biography, visit our website at veritasradio.com. And directly from South Australia, I would like to welcome a Veritas veteran once again, George Cavasilas. Hello, George, and welcome back. How are you? Very well, thanks, Mel, and thank you for having me on once again. It truly, truly is an honor. Yeah, always excited to be on Veritas, that's for sure. Thank quite you. Nervous to, I was quite nervous, Mel, to be honest. I, I had a bit of a restless night and, uh, you know, the, uh, the butterflies were, uh, <laughs> were stirring and, and the energy was flowing and I was thinking, crikey, this is going to be a good one with Mel today. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, thank you once again for the interview that you conducted uh, with Jason a few weeks ago. I really enjoyed it. And, and sometimes it's difficult for me to switch hats to be the interviewee. And I usually feel more comfortable when I'm the interviewer because I'm better I'm better with questions than with answers, but you are the answer person. And I finally read your book. I finished last night that, George, I really, really enjoyed it. And as I was saying to you offline, it's it's going to be a big controversial. But, you know, when the truth is the truth, there's no reason to, to censor it. Uh, when did you start the book and what was your main motivator? 
Well, I would say I've had this stirring inside of me for my whole life and um, it's taken uh, all this time for it to finally come out. And I would say the main motivator had to have been after my world tour last year when we got home and I sat back and uh, Cynthia and Jason and others were saying to me, why don't you write a book? Even while I was touring, people would say, why don't you write a book, George? And I'm like, well, I'm not a book reader. I don't know how to write a book. I don't feel like I want to write a book. And it was probably about three to four weeks after we got back home, then it just came, this this drive just came out from within me. And it was like, George, it's time to write a book. And, uh, you know, there's knowledge, there's knowledge in this book that I've carried through my whole life. And it's been uh, such a relief to finally get it out. I'm glad you did the the title, Our Universal Journey. And the first things that comes to mind when I read the book, you know, George, why do you feel that when someone has their perceptions and beliefs challenged, and this is something that you do with your book, you you, you challenge people people's perceptions and, and, and beliefs, instead of being open-minded about it, most people feel uncomfortable. Is this a defense mechanism? Is this ego taking over? Uh, all of the above. It's a defense mechanism. It's, it is ego. Um, but we got to ask what kind of ego, uh, we're, we're talking about the ego that resides in the mind. It's, we're not talking about the, um, uh, the authentic and organic ego, uh, which really is, I have a, you can really in our modern day society, we can actually use, um, a more accurate term because ego has been thrown backwards and forwards and, and, and thrown all around the room and, uh, it's, it's been distorted and tainted. If, if you um, look at the original organic ego as simply the personality interface, okay? Now, this is a modern-day technical term that I've, um, I've, that I've come up with. It's the personality interface. So if we have our genuine personality interface, which is in alignment with the heart, that is the, the, the original ego. But then you have this other ego, which everybody seems to have an issue with, but that's the one that resides um, in the mind. And that's the one that is functioning from external influences. And that's the one that needs um, programs and doctrines to be validated. And so you have that ego that resides in the mind, which is, um, you know, which is, you know, that's the area that people call the, the illusionary self as well. Uh, that's the part of us that that is entrenched and, and has been formed and feels, like I said, validated because of all these doctrines and programs, and I would call it just mind-control programs, really, whether they're earthly or whether they're cosmic in origin, they're all mind-control programs. And these are the programs that are, are vehemently, and I mean vehemently, defending themselves because it is like uh, for them, for this type of ego to stop functioning in this way, it is, it is like death. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's fighting for all it's worth. That's, that's pretty much why people get so, uh, I would say, even at times angry and even violent when they need to defend the, these belief systems. And they don't even realize just how deluded their, their state of mind is. It's crazy. And what I'm going to say, I hope it doesn't sound egotistic because that's not my intent, but I was just thinking about this when I was reading the book. You know, sometimes people who are truth seekers, you and I and the many listeners who listen to us, 
sometimes it feels, George, as if we're coexisting in, in a body that has cancer. And we're one of the few cells that is cancer-free. But all the other cells just want to grab us so that we can continue metastasizing, in this case, metastasizing the planet, our consciousness, uh, our free will, free will, and so on. Why is it that when you talk about truth and you give people the evidence, this is the truth and I can prove it, I can back it up, they completely go back to their programming and to their beliefs because, once again, they don't want it to be defied. What is the best course of action to overturn this tide? Wow, what a fantastic question. Uh, wow, when when people keep falling back to their belief systems, you see that that is um, their comfort zone. It makes them feel safe and secure. It's no different. The best analogy I could use that comes straight off the top of my head is the one where you've got the um, inland security um, and they are putting all these laws up to make you feel safe because there's threats. Um, they perceived threats and perceived dangers. And so you've got this, this ego that, that is functioning within these constructs, these, these rigid constructs of these programs, and it feels, feels safe. It's made, it's even made and encouraged to feel safe and secure within these, you know, rigid structures. And it's exactly the same when you've got these laws that are being implemented that are taking away your freedom. And so to stand up against these laws is a very, very challenging and difficult thing. And it begins by doing it internally. So if you can oh, get to this point inside your mind, when you can say to your mind from your heart, when you, when you realize that, you know, okay, symbiotically become an observer of your mind. And I suppose it starts there because... For me, that when when you sit quietly and you really observe your mind, you come to realize that so many of the thoughts that you're having are not even yours. And that, that will sound just crazy now to a whole lot of people who are listening, but it's fact. And it, it's it's not an individual thing. This is this is this is across the spectrum of humanity because our minds are plugged into an invisible internet we cannot see called the the mind matrix and which originates from the moon and you know we're getting into some pretty serious territory here and i tell you what this thing is real and people really need to understand the depths and and the magnitude and the genius behind this thing and you know we we have been quarantined as a planet and our our minds have been in immersed into this uh, this invisible internet, like I said, called the mind matrix. And we're caught in so many programmed thought loops that get injected into our mind by this artificial intelligence, which is monitoring the matrix. You know, it's just like our internet is monitored by massive, powerful computers. People need to understand that this mind matrix, this, you know, collective subconscious is, is what some uh, psychiatry and, and psychology um, refers to. It's, it's incredible. It's a huge database of, of human mental constructs. And this thing literally does exist. And, and it's the fearful who can't go there. It's the people who are held back by fear that can't come to terms with this reality. And they want to continue to live in this la-la land. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's more comfortable to live the lie. It's like, uh, it's the old saying, ignorance is bliss. You know, it's uh, the truth hurts, Mel. That's really what it comes down to. And there's a section of your book titled Manipulation of History, the Misrepresentation of History. And I want to read a quote here. 
It says, uncovering the real knowledge of life is like unraveling a puzzle that has many layers because the real knowledge of life remains hidden beneath layers of twisted truths and manipulations. Just when you think you've found it, another piece of information comes along or a revelation surfaces from within and alters one previous perspective. That is why many find it so difficult a journey, the journey of the truth seeker. I think this summarizes our listeners, George, and it is so important to, 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 to say this because this journey of a truth seeker does not come without perils. It's very challenging because to, you know, to, to break free from these um, constraints that we are under, um, you know, and mind you, this whole commentary that we're doing is within the drama because, you know, we're multidimensional beings and we've co-created all, and I'm sure we're going to get to that part of it. So it's, this is not about disempowering people. This is about just on one level of life, getting getting grip, getting a grip on reality and coming to terms with the, the structure that we have been immersed into, that we have chosen to enter into and experience and and also take responsibility for on another level. We'll get into that later. So you've got, excuse me, um, we've got this incredible, incredible, powerful cosmic level infrastructure, which is really the best the universe has to offer. We are being tested by the best. We wanted the best and we got the best. And I tell you, when you can really dig deep and see what's going on around you and feel um, the, the mind control programs, you know, in one way, it really serves us, Mel, because we're kind of left with only one place to go. You see, this is you know, we've come into this system, this this matrix system, because we not only want it to be tested, but it's also serving us in a very big way because we're being forced to go within. We're being funneled, really. The overall picture is we are being funneled towards center. And if you keep turning away, if you keep choosing not to engage in these external programs, one after the other after the other in life as you journey along and you, you you're taking that path of the truth seeker you know you're you're venturing down that yellow brick road that that path of the golden ratio and that spiral of the fibonacci sequence we're heading towards center there and when you do that and you and you let go of one program after the other after the other you know it's a very very uncomfortable place because you're so accustomed to living within these programs as we say we've got the you know you've been in prison and i use that analogy in the book where you've been you know someone's been imprisoned all their life all they've ever known is the routine programs of the prison system and when they are released from prison they don't know what to do with themselves they're lost and that's what it's like for our egos because without the um the ego functioning within these routine programs these really rigid programs when we break free from that we're just left standing there bare naked and it's a very very uncomfortable feeling you lose friends along the way you you know people come and go in your life and sure there's some that stick with you through the journey but it's incredible how you're just left standing there bare naked and it does hurt and that's the uncomfortable side of this journey and it takes courage to do that it takes courage to be genuine to be authentic to live from the heart and strip all the programs away and get back to the purity and the sanctity of your heart and the true essence of who and what you are and what you said about the door being open and not knowing how to get out reminds me of a person who spends time in jail and all of a sudden is released 
the door is open, but he doesn't know how to get out unless he's given permission to get out. Even an animal in the zoo that has been living in captivity for a long time, they open the doors. They don't know how to get out. Is this the same the same situation that we go through here? And I think the answer is yes. But you say we live in a kingdom of amnesia. I've suspected this for a long time, where people have even killed, uh, get killed in the quest for the truth when the truth lies within. If that's the case, let me put this in a practical way. How do we tap into the answers within? Very good question. And it's a very simple question, yet it is so difficult. (laughs) It's so simple and so easy, yet so hard. And that's the dichotomy. That's the paradox of this reality. And yes, it is an epoch of amnesia, and we volunteered to participate in it. And so when we entered into this reality, we knew that we were going to be um, on one level of our beingness cut off from the true knowledge of life and the essence of who and what we are and what, what we're all doing here and what this is all about. So, But the beauty of it is now is the time for us to reconnect. Now the reality is changing, which is going to facilitate, which already is actually, facilitating a reconnection and not a reconnection to some you know through some doctrine of a secret occult group or from religious practice or what have you they, these are all still quite these are all part of the cosmic matrix um, now what we're talking about is the organic connection to the real universe and your eternal essence and beyond this universe into eternity so this is this is big stuff that we're talking about and the easiest way to do that is to start being authentic. I'll tell you why it sounds so simple. You see, the e- the ego, the ego that resides in the mind, like I said, needs those programs to be validated. Now, the simplicity is you don't need any programs, none whatsoever. If you start being just authentic and living from your heart, you start to realign your personality interface or your earthly personality with your heart and in doing so you are then starting to get your instructions your earthly personality gets its instructions from the heart which also now is getting it from the higher aspect of self which is getting it from the soul which is then functioning under the auspice of the eternal essence so you see it's, it's through being authentic and genuine and living from the heart that you reconnect with your soul essence and with your eternal essence and you're reconnecting with the entire universe and beyond even beyond this universe that is the magic of it that is the simplicity of it and that is i would say one of the hardest things that people will find it is to do in this world so that's the uh, paradox of it all it is that simple yet it is so difficult and as you said earlier on, what we're talking about here doesn't mean we're not saying it to disempower. As a matter of fact, I just want to lay the foundation so that people know that there is a control system on this planet right now. We just need to, as Neil Kramer and I talk about all the time, sometimes we li- we have to live inside the belly of the beast in order to deconstruct it. But the status quo, you call it, let's expose the insanity of the status quo. You and I know people from academia. We also know researchers who do not belong to academia or did at one point. The common denominator is that anyone outside of the orthodoxy or official programming 
is essentially shunned, ridiculed because they're not following the established path, etc. Doesn't this go against critical thinking to think outside academia's box? What if an extraterrestrial craft were to land in our front yard and they came from outside the solar system or even galaxy? The mere thought, and believe me, I've had these conversations with them, is that they do not have the answers. Why not consider other perspectives without recurring to insults and arrogance all the time? Yeah, they're so entrenched. You see, academia, science has become a religion. That's a dogma, the, yes. It's, it's a, it, it is. It's dogmatic and it's religion. Um, it, there's, there's no two ways about it. They totally qualify, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, for um, a religious status by the way they behave, by the way they have very strict rules and doctrines and, and rules of conformity. I mean, you have this peer review group, which is run by um, uh, a league of, of, of gentlemen who I could tell you now there's, there's members within that league who are completely duplicitous in their nature. And the, the trap that the world of science has fallen into, which is the trap that the majority of the infrastructure of society on the planet has fallen into, is it's been corporatized. And, uh, you know, they get their funding from the corporate world and they are really just doing the bidding of, of the corporate world. That's unfortunately what has befallen the world of science. And any, any true scientist gets uh, outed, gets shut down, gets bought out, gets sold out, gets uh, uh, removed and, and even eliminated, as we know, well know that is the case um, in 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 many uh, occasions on the planet, with anyone who's inventing anything new, anything that's going to free and liberate humanity from a laborious lifestyle, um, gets shut down, and the technology gets taken away and hidden. And um, you know, this is this is a common practice in today's world, and and it has been for for decades. So. Yeah, science, there's very few true scientists left on the planet. You know, we we could be considered more scientists than, than a lot of the scientists today because we're the ones who are venturing outside the boundaries of, of that infrastructure, of that rigid dogma. And, uh, and as far as I'm concerned, you, Mel, and myself, and just about everybody listening here, we're the true skeptics. You know, the, Exactly. The, and I like it that you discuss uh, skepticism. It's very important, and we'll discuss it in a few minutes. But going back to, to, to something you say here, why do so many continue to propagate the theories and notions that we are all alone in the universe? All you have to do is just stand up at night and look up. To me, this is almost as, uh, and believe me, I, I'm not a fan of Christopher Columbus, that you know discovered uh, America when we know that there were natives here already, but that's a different story. In that case, they were told, look, do not go beyond the horizon because you'll fall, the planet is flat, all that. It seems that today we have the same thing with mm. The, 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 the absence of life outside of our planet. Will that become one day the equivalent of the Earth is flat? I think it already is because that's the argument I put to people who try to tell me that we're, there's no evidence for us to be um, visited by other beings. I, I, I just can't believe people don't see it. The evidence is all around them. It's all over the planet for starters and, uh, and the evidence is right before their eyes. So why are people not seeing it? It just shows you the, you know, for me, it's the our absolute proof. I mean, like you said before, you look up at the night sky, 
there's your answer, period. No more arguments needed. End of story. Any Anyone with any sensibility, any rationality, any sense of logic, any sense of intuitive understanding of life whatsoever. I mean, even children will tell you, of course we're not alone. I mean, it's insane. I'm going to come out and say it. Anybody who thinks that we are alone are suffering from an insane and deluded state of mind. They are programmed by the system and it's pure insanity. It's it's like these people are trying to argue that the world is flat. It's the same thing. It's a different era, but it's the same argument of restriction of, of human awareness. It's just nonsensical as far as I'm concerned. There is no argument whether we're alone or not. It's absurd and ridiculous. And I always say that uh, it's like a fish. A fish does not know what's outside of the ocean. Does that mean that there's no life outside of the ocean? Does that mean that there's no life outside of our planet? It's just arrogant to even say it. And, and one thing that I always wonder, we have so much and so many needs on this planet. Yes, there's poverty. Yes, there's disease. But there's one thing, in my opinion, that we are really not moving forward too, and I think maybe it's because of what we call the secret space program. But shouldn't we be looking for another place so that in, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when an extension level event may happen to life on this planet in the future? Shouldn't the biggest priority be trying to find another place for us to relocate in the event of this cataclysm? Well, okay, that will depend on your understanding on the bigger picture of life because for me, if um, such an event is going to occur, I know that cycles of time uh, periodically occur on this planet and they are actual portals or doorways or opportunities, if you want to put it that way, to move into uh, another frequency. So for the people that don't have that sense to move into another frequency, then they will s physically suffer the effects of the changes. So yes... The people who are functioning from that level um, will require to relocate or to take measures to um, to create a safe environment for themselves because they're continuing to engage on that frequency spectrum of reality. So as the um, cycle now is coming to an end, that's exactly what's happening to this earth. She's coming to another cycle, but this is the, the final one, the, the cycle to end all cycles that, that have come before. And excuse me. And so the basically we're on, on one way you could say we're in Grand Central Station. So there's a lot of people that are going to go in different directions when this does occur. It's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when. And so some people will have that mindset of, oh, I've got to get on a spacecraft and I've got to leave the planet or I've got to go into an underground base, for example, because I want to be safe. Um, and what have you. And of course, the ones that go into the underground bases are not going to be safe at all because the whole planet's going to change and uh, it's not going to be what it once was before. It's going to be different. Um, so most, the majority of the of the population of the Earth are going to have this mindset where they're going to have to get off the planet somehow. And that's when these, now we're getting into the realms of these other beings who, who are posing as the saviors of humanity. So um, there's an agenda behind that, and uh, yeah, that's a big subject, Mill. I don't know if you want to get into it now or a little bit later, but just giving you the opportunity there. I don't know what your line of questioning is next. Yeah, we can we can leave that for later. I know exactly where mm. you're coming with. You know, uh, we hear of the report from Iron Mountain, where we have communism first, then we have terrorism, then we have the the uh, the uh, meteor or global cataclysm, and then the final card as 
Dr. Carol Rawson says the final card is the alien invasion, or in this case, as you say, it could be a, 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 a supposed uh, alien race that comes here because the planet will die and they will take us somewhere else. How do we use, and let me just do it now, how do we use discernment? How, do, how can we know if they are really coming with good intentions? Well, a lot of people just already have that automatic sort of intuitive feeling uh, within themselves. It's like, you know, you can just approach something and go, you know, that just doesn't feel right. So there's people in throughout their daily lives that are using, they live from that intuitive heart guidance. And this is what we recommend, you know, myself and my wife and all my friends and people who are reading the book and the, you know, responses we're getting, people are living from their intuitive heart guidance. So they, they're really resonating with this information. They're really understanding and feeling where we're coming from. And, you know, when to talk about intuitive heart guidance, I'm not talking about the heart chakra. Okay, we're not talking about that. We're talking about much deeper levels of your being way beyond any chakra program. Okay, so the when you live from that intuitive heart guidance of your the core of your beingness, not a cosmic software program, not, not the chakra system, right from the core of your beingness, then you're functioning from from a level of your being and you, the energy involved with that state of being has a resonant pattern to it and you start getting in touch with the core, the, the reason and intent of your existence here, you start reconnecting with Mother Earth, you start reconnecting with Father Son, you start to re, re, remember who we all are and what we're doing here. And that's the basis, that's the foundation of, you know, I know who we are, you know, this is what people say, we know who we are, we, we know what we're doing here. And so all this other stuff is part of the cosmic drama, part of the cosmic matrix, and we see it for what it is. And, and we're saying, okay, so you've got these extraterrestrials who are currently farming us, right? And they want to come here and be our saviors. So for people to understand that, these sorts of things are happening and how we discern with these sorts of scenarios and circumstances, it really does come back to the simplicity of living from the core essence of who and what you are. And that's being authentic, being genuine. You know, every day we've got decisions we're faced with in every moment of our lives. And what, are you, what sort of decision are you going to make? So every time you kind of at a little crossroads. So in your day today, when you've listened to this, and you are now going to go away and get on with your day or you're going to go to bed and wake up tomorrow, get on with your day, whatever. What are you going to do in those moments of decision? Are you going to honor your authentic self or are you going to make decisions based on pleasing other people or, you know, don't rock the boat or you're going to, you know, just make decisions of conformity? Um, this, is, this is what it comes down to. And when you start changing your life and living from the heart and being your authentic true self, then, then you're being genuine. Then you're being authentic. That means this is when the light and the energy of your soul starts to flow forth and you do it more often. And yes, it does rub people up the wrong way because they're so used to feeding off your energy because you've been conforming. You've been living a lie and you've been living to other people's expectations and standards. So this is what it comes down to. It's the, it's, it's the core interactions of your everyday decision-making and how you are in your relationships, in your workplace, everything. It's the way you're living your life. So when you change that, expect change because when you change from within, then it has a ripple effect and the universe rearranges itself and your outer world changes. So if you want things to change in your world, world, change yourself first. Again, Michael Jackson, the man in the mirror. This is where it begins. You know, It begins with us. 
And um, when we start to change, that's when everything around us changes. And it, that's where it gets difficult. That's why the journey of the truth seeker is such such a difficult journey, because when you start being truthful, honest and authentic, it really hurts a lot of people because they're, they're living in a matrix. They're, they're in, you know, you know, you've immersed yourself in, in a sea of, of illusionary lies, illusions and lies and, and deceit. That's what this matrix is all about. It's a synthetic form of life. So even even people's approaches are synthetic, you know. So so many of us, and we're we've all done this. We've all lived a lie, and now that we're trying to live authentic and and genuine lives, it's getting very very challenging indeed to continue to sustain that and maintain that. But the more you do, it's kind of like you reach this threshold where there's no turning back, and you are just so authentic, and uh, and and so empowering. It is so powerful. And it really people people can no longer just trick you because you can see straight through their lies. It's kind of like, you know, training for something. The the more you do it, the you know, the better you get at it. It's kind of like you, you rode a bike when you were a child, but you haven't ridden one for thirty years. So you get back on it, and it's a big bit shaky at first, you know, <laughs> and then you and then you um, might fall off it a couple of times. So you might thinking you're doing it from intuitive heart and uh, you fall off your bike a few times because you got it wrong because your intuition, you, you're not quite with it just yet, which is what I've done. I did it in the public arena for all to see and, and understand that this is the sort of thing that we all, you know, it happens to all of us. And, it, and so, you know, I'd like for people to look at my journey and learn from the mistakes that I've made. And so, but I'm not giving up. I didn't. I didn't say I'm not getting back on that bike. You got to get back on your bike, and you got to move forward. You got to keep going and keep going. It's like when you get knocked off your horse, get back on that horse and ride it. You know that that song. I get knocked down, but I get up again, and it's a fantastic song because it's so, you know, it's so powerful to be authentic. People know it. They feel it. They sense it. They really feel your power. And then those those energies of manipulation and control. A lot of them just start falling away. You, the, the more sophisticated ones still hang around. They try to trick you and, and what have you. They always will until the matrix goes. That's something we need to come to terms with and accept. And when you do, it gets a lot easier. The ride gets easier and um, becomes easier to function within the matrix. And you use certain phrases, for example, at the beginning, you said uh, you wanted the best, you got the best. And I think in my mind, the hardest man in the world, kiss. And then now you say uh, you get knocked down, you get up again. I, I still you know, sing those songs in my mind. But anyway, it's important to use discernment. And from discernment, we go to skepticism. You know, some people live, of course, we all live in duality and in polarity. Some people stay... I believe or I do not believe. Well, I'm in the middle because I don't use the word believe. But mm. let's take a moment to discuss skeptics. Isn't the, the real meaning of skeptic coming from the Greek word skepsis, uh, which means examination, inquiry, consideration, and to think, which is exactly what we do here every week. And for some reason in this field, the word is demonized, George, or perhaps associated with the bunkers or defenders of the status quo. Why is that? I think it's healthy to be skeptical, don't you think? Oh, of course it is. It's it's not healthy for the matrix for the people to be skeptical. That's <laughs> that's that's why they put a slant on it. It's like the word psyche in Greek means spirit, but you know, uh, it's become psyche in English, and psychologists use it, and it's all about the mind. So again, it's another slant. It's a twist. 
So, you know, the word psyche or psyche is, is to do with spirit and soul. It's got nothing to do with the mind. And, uh, okay, so this is when, when, when we talk about skeptics, it's, it really is that skeptics today in the world, in today's world, a skeptic um, by today's definition is really just a defender of the status quo. Yeah. They are some of the border patrol guards of the status quo, as are today's psychiatrists and psychologists and, and uh, supposed um, spiritual um, leaders, what we call priests and, and, and what have you. So they are all defenders of the status quo. And they, all they're doing is, is basically, um, I would say, implementing uh, programs. They are just programmed droids, basically. And I know I'm being harsh. And I'm being harsh for a reason because, you know, I'm a paradigm breaker and it's time to break through these programs. And I am going to be quite assertive today when I need to be. And, you know, these people are just programmed droids. It's, you know, I've been on the receiving end of their, um, uh, I would say, their assessments of their of, of me. Um, not, I haven't been in a mental institution, but I have dealt with some psychologists and psychiatrists in my early days of my, um, when I was really being abducted a lot and I was just reaching out, I was desperate and just reaching out for, uh, for help. And, uh, and the way they treated me, the way they spoke to me, the way they categorized me, the way they pigeonholed me was just, uh, really sad and pathetic and so small minded. Um, and so these people are programmed by the system. They go to a university um, and no one questions who wrote the curriculum. This is what I find laughable. Um, yeah, it, it, it's like they they send a probe to Mars and we get told that that's the forefront of human evolution. You know, like what a joke. You know, it's 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 just ridiculous to you know. And granted, the scientists who are within that paradigm are doing the best they can with the lives that they're having. But they've also got to realise just how small-minded they're being, on the other hand. They've got to wake up out of the trance that they're in because they've been totally brainwashed by a curriculum. And no one ever questions the level of technology that we're using. Again, you know, we're being purposely forced to use this type of technology, which, which I do go into detail about in the book. You know, how it interfaces with our, with our human beingness. This is a very big subject because... But when you talk about skeptics, when you talk about science, the whole thing is 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 connected because this is all about conforming um, to the status quo. This is hasn't got anything to do with education. This is, hasn't got anything to do with free thinking, open mindedness, and breaking the boundaries, the frontiers of of new inventions, of new discoveries. It hasn't got anything to do with that. The whole thing has been turned around and, and it's turned back onto the people. It's kind of like a, a glass ceiling, if you so to speak, that you hit it and they don't want you to go past it. And and psychologists will say, you're sick, you've got to take these drugs. You either get put into a mental institution or you get drugged out and numbed down and you fall back into conformity with everybody else. You know, And the same with science. You go into a university, you get to learn the curriculum and that's it you have to abide by the by you know those doctrines and if you go outside of the curriculum you're you you get trodden on you get shut down you and you don't get the jobs at the end of your course because you're a troublemaker you know you haven't conformed so it, it it's like character assassination to be honest to be truthful to be breaking frontiers to to be involved in new discoveries on on for humanity it's not allowed anymore 
it's really sad what, what life has become. So, you know, you've got the skeptic society. They're just border patrol guards of the status quo. That's all they are. They are not true skeptics. We are the true skeptics. And I forgot who said that this, that in times of universal deceit, truth or the truth becomes a revolutionary act. And I think we, we, we live through this every day. But that said, how do you address a skeptic, George, that says to you, George, I'm skeptical about your story. How do you answer that? Yeah, I totally accept that on one level, you know, if you get taken by a group of beings into a craft or taken to another world, um, like a family member recently said to me, well, I'm not going to believe it till you show me a photo. And I mean, that is, and people have sent emails to on the, with that same subject. Where's your, where's your photographic proof? I just, I just can't believe how small minded these people can be. They, they have no concept of other dimensional realities. First of all, the camera won't work in another dimensional reality. <laughs> And second of all, when you get abducted, it's not like you have a choice. Oh, hang on. I just want to get my wallet and my keys. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like these people that just have no concept. And it's, you know, okay, forgive them for they know not what they do. But come on. You know, the, we're talking about rationality, sensibility, logic, We're talking about reality, and uh, we really need to understand. People need to be more open-minded and more understanding of the processes involved when you are talking about um, planetary realities. You know, like Mars is a totally different vibration to this one. You can't just go and, and plonk an Earth human on Mars and expect them to live. The vibration of the planet's different. It will kill a Earth human over time. Earth humans have to be modified, which is what's going on. Um, over there to, to, to be able to, to stand on the surface or to live inside the surface as, as what's going on at the moment over there. You know, it's, it's, it's really, really, yeah, there's more to it than people understand. And it's so easy for people to judge um, because they're coming from such a limited perspective. And that's all it is, very limited perspective. And they've got to realize they've got to be big enough to understand that that's where they are coming from. And they have to come to terms with their egos. That I'll tell you what it is. Um, it's an intellectual ego. That's what gets threatened. I'll, I'll give you a quick uh, um, example. I was up in the Flinders Ranges and uh, with Cynthia and, and we were looking at these incredible, incredible um, uh, mineral deposits up there and um, and ochre colours and what have you in this particular area. And this this elderly couple came along and uh, the gentleman was um, we found out was a university professor and and I made a comment I said to him did you know that the Australian Aborigines are just about the most advanced race on this planet and his eyes just went wide open all of a sudden he like morphed <laughs> into something somebody else and he got so angry he says how dare you insult my intelligence you know i'm a university professor and i've been blah 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 blah, blah. and i'm like well you might have done all that and achieved all that and but how come if if how come you know so little about life you know You, you might have the smarts when it comes to a university curriculum, but how come you know so little about life, you know? And that's what it is. These people have intellectual egos and they get threatened. Well, you were, you were trying to hack his system. That's why he reacted that way, I think. I think the problem is in today's society, George, is that we're not only told how to think, but 
how to think. Critical thinking seems to be a glitch in the system. And whenever you try to to hack that, then you know what the answer is. In my case, if I were still employed in the corporate world, I know for a long time, I probably would have been fired because of the topics that I discuss here. Somebody would have found out, somebody would have tapped into my Facebook, and it seems as if you deviate from what the programming is, then it's almost as if they need to bring the antivirus so they can inoculate you, don't you think? Oh, it is like that. And also you'll see people like when you talk to them, they'll literally turn into Mr. Smith. Yeah. Uh, that's a comment from people that understand the movie, the Matrix series. You know, they do. They morph. That's what that professor did. Because the, um, like I said, our minds are connected to an invisible internet we cannot see. We are in our mind matrix. And when you start talking, when you start expressing yourself, um, it, it feels it. It reacts. It hurts. It's actually the matrix ends up feeling pain. Okay, because we're like this good virus that's come to this earth and been injected inside of it so we can change it from the inside out, which we're going to get into later. And, and you know, this, this is what happens. It really hurts and it reacts because it doesn't like it. And, uh, and people just change. You see their eyes glaze over and they can talk to you in a really, really nasty way sometimes. And when the conversation is over... You, I, I challenge anybody when, when you experience this, go back and ask them um, about the conversation, how it transpired, if you can find a way of recording it. And when they see themselves, they will freak out because this energy comes and takes over the person. It's not the person anymore. It literally is Mr. Smith coming in and taking over. And that's fact. This really does happen. I've experienced it. Cynthia's experienced it. Um, all, all our friends have experienced it in in throughout their lives with with certain people because we are the ones that have come here to change it from the inside out and um, another trick you can use is when the person does start glazing over and, and mr smith starts coming through just walk straight up to them and go okay so who are you now just That's like right. that i want you know let's say your friend's name is john i want john back bring back john go away i know who you are i want my friend john back and you talk to the matrix like that and you are literally talking to entities that are working in the matrix or the artificial intelligence. And you watch that person just transform back. I challenge anyone to do that. It really does work. It happens. And I'm thinking of, again, of religion and science. And this is why I'm always skeptical about religion and science, because although they pretend to operate separately, independently, it's, in my opinion, a symbiotic relationship that is interconnected and the best metaphor i can use george is you go to a department store in australia or the united states you know you want some uh shoes but you are in the in the women's section they say to you no you go to the other section so it's different it's interconnected but they still fall within the same department store so i think religion and science are both part of the same control system oh totally totally agree with you mel they absolutely are, um, <laughs> and all the religions are connected too. It's the whole lot. Excuse me. It's one. It's one overall cosmic matrix, and it has different departments and different levels and different yeah um, programs within it. It is a multi-dimensional assault on humanity, uh, and it, it literally this cosmic matrix is multi-dimensional in in its infrastructure and its format. But I just can't believe how more people don't get it. If you ask somebody in, in science, can you explain this? 
And if they say, no, I cannot explain because I cannot prove it, it doesn't meet the scientific method, method, you need to go to religion because they explain the unknown. So they bounce the, the, the answers among each other, and that's why they keep the control that they keep. Yeah, it's kind of like they specialize in, in, in the two different areas. You know, you got one that explains the one, known one, and the unknown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the unknown is known as well. We all we all have the truth within us, Mel. All we got to do is, is go within and, and you'll get it. Yeah. And, and it, most recently, you, you, you probably saw the landing of the Mars Curiosity probe. What are we looking for? Among other things, microbial life. Do you think the so called NASA scientists with their rubber stamp version of, of reality or so narrow-minded to only be looking for microbial life. What do you think the real purpose of this probe and everything that NASA shows us is? Window dressing? The illusion to keep us wondering? That's exactly what it is. It is the illusion. It's a, it's a, it's a show. It's the front. So it keeps people's attention. It's a fight for your attention and your awareness. So um, when they get your attention um, placed in a particular area, um, they are then controlling the level of awareness that you have. So ultimately, it's a battle for your awareness. And uh, becoming more aware is very dangerous for the people that control the matrix. They, it's like a farmer who's got sheep. Can you imagine if the sheep all of a sudden started talking to the farmer, started saying, hey, what are you doing? Why are you keeping us in this pen, eh? You know, why are we in this paddock? Hang on a minute. I don't want to be here. This is wrong. <laughs> imagine if sheep started doing that to a farmer. Well, that's exactly what the the you know this is a really um i would say very accurate analogy to be using because all of a sudden instead of the sheep just going along and just grazing and everyone's ha happy and the, the sheep are in their you know comfy little trance uh, comfort zones and they, they've got the grass paddock they've got their water and and the farmer's all happy and he's living off the resources of the sheep of the herd all of a sudden the herd, herd start turning around and, and questioning and saying, hang on a minute. <laughs> well, the farmer doesn't like it. Well, I can tell you now, these cosmic God entities who are farming us, they don't like it. And I think that uh, it's the whole saying, if there's one sheep that all of a sudden wakes up, the others want to bring the sheep back to the herd. And it's the whole saying of, uh, what was that saying that I heard recently? You laugh at me because I'm different. I'm sorry, because, uh, yes, you laugh at me because I'm different. I laugh at you because you're all the same. I think if people celebrated the fact that we're all different and we can think differently, things would be totally different in this world today. Yeah, exactly. Totally agree with you, Mel. That's, yeah, I like that saying. <laughs> That's a really good one. And now we're going to start diving into the deep stuff, uh, George. Everyone who listens to this program knows that I'm always looking for the answers to the questions, who are we and where do we come from? But in addition, and I don't mean this in a religious way at all, you also mentioned who and what is God. Did you find the answer? I, I feel that uh, we've all got the answer. It's quite obvious who and what is God. And um, it's just about just removing that veil uh, that's that's in front of our minds. That's um, that's got the hold on our minds. Just pull back the curtain, and you do that by going into your heart and being authentic. And the answer is there. You, you know it. People are saying, oh, "I know. I knew this. I just didn't hear anyone else out there voicing it." And this is the incredible feedback we're getting. And um, it's it, it's already there. It's already within everybody. So it's whether people want to choose to continue to live in a program or want to um, no longer live in programs and get back to reality. 
Um, and the reality is we're in a universe and there is a creator of this universe. And uh, I can assure you the creator of this universe is not the God of religions. And that's another entity. And uh, and that you know, that entity resides in in what's called the great arena of this universe. And so, yeah, I know who and what God is, and it depends on your definition of God. So if you say, um, if you're referring to God in, in, in relation to the creator of this universe, that's a given. If you're referring to the God of religions, that's, you know, that's, that's a different entity altogether. So there's one who's claiming to be the creator and the ruler of all things of, of all that is and all that exists. And then there's, uh, which is, you know, uh, egoic insanity. And then there's the creator of the universe. When you reconnect with that being, you know, it doesn't judge you. And, and, and you remember that you are um, inside. You have chosen to send a part of you inside. It's universal creation. And, uh, and the, the, the creator of this universe is the first to remind you that you exist beyond it's universal creation that that you both exist beyond it. You remember it. We are eternal. We are infinite, and this universe is is one expression of of the being who is the creator of this universe. I mean, we've got our own universes out there, and uh, I'm inside of your universe, Mel, and you are God, the creator of that universe, and I'm experiencing your universal expression, and I want to understand that construct, that expression of life, which is a particular construct of life so and that's the way things are structured it's we are infinite there is no beginning there is no end it really comes down to um uh, another simplistic way of looking at it is do you believe that that a god entity is your creator that that you didn't exist prior to this god entity creating you if if that's the program you want to continue to believe um, and you want to continue to live within that lie, then that's entirely up to you. But we're, the, the, the true fact is we are infinite. And so a lot of people will hold what it means to be infinite on an intellectual level, but it's time for us to now bring it from just holding it in an intellectual space and start being infinite. You know, let's drop it down from the head into the beingness and, and go back to being infinite because that's what we are. And um, the other concept is finite. You see, if you're infinite, you have never been born or spawned out of anything. You always have existed. You always will exist. There's no beginning and there is no end. That's what it means to be infinite. I always have been. I haven't been born or spawned out of some God entity. And uh, we are all infinite together. There is no one entity, one being who is the creator and ruler of all things, of all all that is and all that exists on all levels of life. That is that is not true. That's not how it is. And who and created the creator? Exactly. You know, we are all infinite together. That is reality. And uh, we express ourselves in a multitude of ways, as a multitude of beings. Um, no, no numbers can be placed on the amount of beings that exist. And uh, we create all these different paradigms and realities and we explore them. You created a universe and I sent a part of me into your universe. The creator of this universe, for example, decided to express itself in the form of what we call light. And we just went, yeah, that's fantastic. We all sent a part of us into here to learn, to learn how to become light. Now, the trick is with this universe, 
the, it's it's the paradox and the dichotomy dichotomy of light because of its dualistic nature. It's you see, light is um, is 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 a way of expressing yourself in its contrasting expressions. So you express yourself one way, and then you know to recreate balance, you need to now express yourself in an equal and opposing manner to the original expression, and that's how light is formed. So it creates this division. Um, and then you are expressing yourself in these dualistic ways. Now, as long as you have light, which is vibration, which is um, sound or logos, logos or the word, that's the true meaning of the word of God. It's not words printed in a book um, handed down by to the public um, by the priestly caste. That is definitely not the word of God. That is the, which we'll get into later, Mel, the, the workings of the priestly caste. Um the word of God is the blueprint of life. It's a vibrational pattern. It's logos. People need to understand the original meaning of the word, which is logos. That's where it comes from. Um, the, the term the word comes from the Greek word logos, and uh, that's what it truly means. And on segment two, there's going to be a lot of controversy here, but as we all know, folks, I don't believe in censorship when we do what we do. And there's a lot of stuff we're going to be discussing with George. For example, somebody sent me a picture today. Not a picture, but a kind of a, in a cartoonish way with a, a line in the middle. On the left, they put Jesus. On the right, they put Horus. And I could not believe, and I've seen this before, but not in such a detailed way, of all the similarities between Jesus and Horus, almost as if somebody took the same story and give it life 2,000 years ago as opposed to 5,000 years ago. Also, in your book, you discuss a lot the moon, and this is an area that we're all very interested in. You even say that Saturn and the moon are the equivalent of, uh, there we say, broadcast towers. I want to explore this. I want to know also if you think that Saturn's rings are the antenna, and that's what keeps us under control, and the moon is what the, 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 the rebroadcasting tower that is the one that keeps us in control here. And there are parts of the Old Testament, I believe, that were removed that said that at one point in time, the moon was not here. But all this, when we come back, George, how do people get in touch with you and buy this book, Our Journey, Our Universal Journey? Okay. Um, we are officially, we haven't officially launched the book yet. So far, we've been taking pre-orders. So we're officially going to launch the book, Mel, on the 22nd of September. And if people buy the book on that day, on the official launch date, we're going to offer them uh, a gift. We're, we're hoping to have in time um, the audiobook version um, completed, and that's what we want to offer as a gift. So if it doesn't come on the day with the book, it's going to come soon after. Now, we also, uh, Mel, are doing the official launch of the audiobook is not going to be till around the 10th of October, but we've also actually got a documentary that's um, in the process of being finalised. It's the final edits and and renderings and what have you is being done at the moment, which will be launched at the end of October. So we've got lots coming out and uh, there's a whole plethora of information. Now, this documentary is... Um, incredible we've we've we talk about the ley lines on the planet we talk about who's controlling them we talk about why they want to control them 
Um, it's a very, very interesting subject, that. And uh, we do travel the world with this documentary. We talk to Aboriginal elders, and there is knowledge that gets shared in that documentary by Australian Aboriginal elders, which is very, very profound indeed. It has to do with human origins. And this has not been said anywhere. And this is very, very, very powerful information. And it will explain why their genetics are slightly different to all of ours. So something very, very um, interesting coming up. So our website um, for the book is ouruniversaljourney.com.au. We have our main website, which is ourjourneyhome.com.au. Uh, and we have, of course, our little podcast, which is superwheelradio.com.au. Excellent which radio show, so, by the way. So, so honoured to have you on there, Mel. That, yeah. was, that was just a wonderful experience. Thank you. Thank you. you I, really, re- I really enjoyed really, it. Go ahead. Yeah, you, you really are um, a man who walks his talk. Very, very genuine indeed. And uh, we're very, very grateful. Thank you. Thank you. And I usually kept my business private my private life but for some reason i really went when jason said let's just imagine that we are three guys at a bar having a beer and that's exactly how i felt i felt you know why am i not going to talk about my life with these guys uh the difference is that thousands of people listen to it too so i'm glad you learned a little bit more about uh, mel but um um when we come back all of this and this this show is being is airing middle of september so it should be very close to the the uh, the book uh, sale coming up soon don't go anywhere folks i'm here with george cavaslas and we have so much more to discuss when we come back this is mel fabricas and you're listening to veritas and before we proceed with segment two in our member section here's a message from george cavaslas as you know george is very excited for the official release of his new book our Universal Journey, on September 22, 2012. He wanted me to let you know that if you purchase the printed version of the book on Amazon, there's a link on our website, you will also receive a free download for the audiobook. I heard that the audiobook contains superb background music by world-renowned musicians to go along with the narration. So go to our website, veritasradio.com, and click on George's book. Remember, you must purchase the printed version on the official launch date of September 22nd to receive the audio version of the book. And also, for Veritas members, on Tuesday, September the 25th, I have another treat for you on Veritas TV. We'll be able to watch 10 hours of video of our journey home. George's presentation recorded last year at eSETI. This is another reason to subscribe to Veritas and also to listen to segment two of tonight's show. Don't miss out. Go to veritasradio.com and subscribe. Let's listen to some music, and we'll be right back with segment two. Enjoy.
This is Jason Verbelli, and thank you for listening to Veritas.